LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. Now, Derek... The question everyone's asking is, should Finch go or should he stay? Just we haven't had a little bit of cricket banter for a while, oh. but um, I think he, I think he needs to go. Wow, big call! You heard it what here first. What do you think? What do you think? What do you? Well, I think. Look, I'm on the selection panel, so I probably shouldn't be giving away uh, any uh, any forward knowledge. Um, I think he's still got a little bit left in him. Uh, a little bit oh. left in him. I'm too. So sorry. you're one of those people who think his record means he can sort of stay in. Well, listen, let's go back to Steve Waugh, the greatest cricketer of all time. He should never have been pressured in any way to leave. He did so much for this country, he should never have been asked. I think Finchie, he's got a little bit left in him. Yeah, give him a while. Wait. Wait. Okay, so there you go, guys. You've got the graciousness of Derek and the hard, cold, truthful facts of <laughs> Scott Sanders that yeah, Finch nice should one. go. Nice one. Now, the one thing is brought to you with thanks to Reach Australia. We want to see thousands of healthy evangelistic multiplying churches across Australia. Uh, just a shout out to one of our podcasts. If you haven't heard or listened to the church planting podcast, I reckon that's a great one to uh, put in the hands of someone who is thinking about planting uh, or to put in the hands of a church who's going, hey, we want to get a church plant happening. So if you haven't heard of the church planting podcast from Reach Australia, uh, jump on our podcast page and you can uh, download that as well. Now, today, Derek... We're going to be talking about stepping down a volunteer leader. It's a bit of a clickbait sort of title. Feels clickbait. It does feel clickbait. But, you know, I, what, what it's trying to capture is, uh, I suppose, how do you move people who are within a church? I hate that word volunteering as well. Like It's just doesn't, not a biblical word. But everyone understands what it means. Not paid person within a church. Someone who is voluntarily serving. Well, again, I use the word volunteer, but it's not necessarily because of character issues, although we'll talk about that. It may just be suitability issues as well. And so this is the conversation. How is it you do that? What kind of things do you need to keep in mind uh, within a church environment as a leader? So, so Derek, let's actually talk about some real examples so we can sort of place this conversation. Um, in the context of a church plant, you know, where do you need to step down a volunteer leader? Well, uh, one of the things we do talk to planners about, and you'd hear on the Church Planning Australia podcast, um, is when you plant, uh, one of the things you're doing is you're just scrambling to get things going. And what you need to keep in mind is when you're 20 and 30, uh, people will be in roles that they probably won't be suitable for, suitable for when your church is 80, 90, 100, 120. And so you are making decisions early on that you are going to have to undo later. You've got to make those decisions, but you just got to do it with an eye to that. So you are going to have people in roles where you are going to have to step them down or move them out. Stepping down makes it sound like they've done something wrong in that context. It just means they may not be right for that point. So church planning is certainly one environment where you do see and have to have this conversation. And and that can happen particularly rapidly, you know, for some church plants where they are growing quite fast mm. uh, and they are moving from different contexts as well. So just the reality you got twenty or thirty in a, in a, in a smaller building or a smaller meeting space. You then go to a bigger space. You know there can be a role that's just no longer needed because you're now in a different you know different location. For example, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, uh, another example of this could be uh, you could be stepping down a volunteer leader for a capacity issue. Uh, so that could look like 
you know, the growth of a ministry has meant that you've actually had to hand hand over this ministry role to a to a staff person. So again, through no fault of the the volunteer alone, it's just that churches has grown to a certain size, and this role can no longer be done in a volunteer capacity. You actually need to staff it in order to push it past its sort of next uh, growth barrier. Or potentially it could be someone actually just has personal capacity. You know, you realise they're a, a great, uh, you, you realise they're a great growth group leader um, and you've tried to, tried to step them up into, say, a, 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 a sort of a coaching of growth group leaders, but you realise just in that process that they're actually just not able to do it. And so someone, excellent growth group leader, but not a great coach of growth group leaders. And again, nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's okay. You've tried to develop them. You've tried to actually get them into this role, but they just can't do it. So that's kind of what we're talking about. But I also want to push into, what about character as well? What about when there's a a character issue? That's right. And I think what we've described just previously there, uh, it's key to know, we're not saying there's anything wrong, inherently wrong with the person in these roles. We're just recognising different people wired in in different ways. And as leaders, we need to work out how we love them within that. Uh, but there is the other category you've just introduced there. What about when there are issues um, to do with character? Um, not just competency, but, but character issues, and possibly conviction issues as well within here. Um, because we do want people who are convictionally aligned, theologically aligned with where we're at in leadership. People do change on those, kind of, those things um, sometimes. And so yeah, how is it we step them down? There's also the character issues when people are behaving in ways that are inconsistent with um, our biblical um, uh, values, the the fruit of the spirit, the the ways in which we reflect Jesus, who we look like. Those one Timothy three, Titus one. Um, those are issues that you know, those are stepping down of people um, can often be more confronting, um, but we need to keep that in mind as well. Uh, there's overlap in these conversations. Yeah, but it's worth distinguishing. And often in the context of a team, you can see where character issues, you know, really do make it uh, quite hard for people to relate, you know, well in teams. And so that's mm. where the, the issue kind of um, can can pop up, you know, regularly. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's actually push into some of the key principles. And and I think as we do this, Derek, I'm keen to hear some examples uh, and 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 keen to kind of put flesh flesh on the bones on it. So as we're thinking about stepping down a volunteer leader, what are some of the key principles that we need to keep in mind? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kick off on this first one. There's kind of three parts of this first one. Um, love for the person you're talking to is a key principle there. Love for the people around them, uh, the people they might be leading or amongst. Uh, but as well, love for the people who are on the receiving end of that, of that ministry or role. Let me just describe that. So um, you're stepping someone down. You want to have love for the actual person you're talking to and you're stepping down out of a um, out of uh, ministry. Now, that's not controversial, um, but you've got to keep in mind how I approach this in a way is loving and caring for them um, as I disciple them. Um, but you also might step people down because um, you want to love also the people around them. They might be leading a team uh, where their gifts are not leadership. And so they're leading that team poorly uh, for any number of reasons. You've tried to develop them, and we'll come to that in a second. Um, but you do need to keep in mind one of the key principles. Or well, positively as well, the, the ministry has grown, and actually you're saying um, you don't have the capacity to, to love this you know, this larger ministry role. And, and, and so in order to love the larger ministry role that's happening, we actually need to put someone else in you know, to, to fill that as well. That's right, yeah, yeah, because other people um, are being impacted by uh, through no fault of their own their capacity or gifting in that area. The the other category I reckon is often forgotten is love for people who are on the receiving end. 
Now, these are often the unseen people within the context of ministries. And so uh, these are the people who, let's say, you're leading a service on Sunday. You've got someone leading a service on Sunday. Um, but for any number of reasons, um, at the stage church is at, they may not be gifted uh, to lead in such a way that the Christians who are in the audience are sitting there thinking, I should bring my non-Christian friend to this. If they're thinking, I can't possibly bring my non-Christian friend to this because the person leading the service, for whatever reason, it's just too awkward, painful, it's not right. Um, think there's, there's people on the receiving end out there that we don't even know uh, that are being impacted by this decision we've made in this person leading in this role here. And so we need to not only love the person, love the people around, they might be leading directly, but also thinking through, how do I love the people who aren't in this room right now who are on the receiving end of the ministry? Great. So I'm just going to summarise that as love. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yes, and I took too aware, long, didn't I? <laughs> be, be aware of the larger context. Uh, in the com- in that conversation, I think the sec- second sort of key principle is to to be speaking with grace and truth. So again, here here Derek's first point: you want to convey your love and your concern for the person and for the team and for the for the wider ministry as well. Um, but actually, you want to speak the truth with someone. You want to name really clearly um, the issues, the concerns that have actually led to this conversation. Uh, so I think that's you know it's part of part of speaking lovingly is actually speaking honestly about uh, either the behaviours or the things that you've seen in this person or just the reality of the ministry and where it's at as well. Uh, and so conveying that you know, truthfully and clearly, I think, is really important in this discussion because, as Derek said, this is a discipleship moment as well. And so um, I think thirdly, uh, another sort of key principle is to, as you're having this conversation, use examples um from from the ministry that you've seen and that you've hopefully recorded as well to uh, be able to actually clearly remind them of uh, you know either your attempts to actually develop them and grow them as, as a leader or just the reality of what's happening in the ministry that maybe they're not able to see um, you know because they're so focused on just sort of doing and getting things done. So I think having that sort of documented you know taking notes from conversations or you know being aware to be able to come into that meeting with some um, you know, some key examples of here's the reason uh, as to why we're, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, to, to move you on from this role yeah. uh, is the, really important. The, and this is something, uh, Pete Mayrick, uh, who, who runs CFD, um, he uh, calls this laying concrete um, when he's talking about feedback. I really like that phrase because part of it is being, uh, not being so um, airy-fairy in, when you're talking to someone in these hard conversations, but actually giving them tangible things. Now, this can be in a really positive way. When you're giving feedback to people, being tangible about what they did right, um, but particularly in, in these moments where you're dealing with uh, difficult situations and people who might be hurt by it, to be very specific um, in laying that concrete, those tangible examples of uh, where what's happening isn't quite meeting the ministry goals. Um, that is hugely important. People need to be able to see you're not. This is not um, personal. Uh, you're not doing this because you've got a chip on your shoulder about them. There is an issue that you're both trying to solve together. Now, um, I guess one final thing, and I, I've got to put this one in because I'm I'm more a sort of a thinker and not a feeler. Uh, be prepared for I guess a range of emotions. Uh, so so realize that you you're going to be dealing with a person who has probably poured out you know, into this ministry role, you know, from the start of a church plan or for a number of years. Um, be prepared that someone, you know, someone may feel relief. You know, they know it hasn't been working and they're, and they're really thankful that you've actually identified that and you're having this development conversation and 
um, you, you know, you, you, you're moving them on and they're going, this is great. Another person might actually react quite strongly. They might not see what you've seen. Uh, you might not have, you know, had this ongoing development conversation, you know, clearly and helpfully with them. This might be a shock to them. Uh, so, so be prepared. There may be some anger, frustration as well, but be prepared that there'll be a range of emotional reactions often as you have this conversation. Yeah, I'd, I would say that that's true. What you've said is absolutely right. Um, I would want to say one of the reactions that people should never have or, or yeah, you should never um, hope from people is surprise. People should never be surprised by these conversations. Uh, the if, if you haven't had a single conversation about where things are at with them and their ministry and uh, how things are operating, and then... You come one day and say, "Hey, we're going to move you out of this ministry because you don't—you're not performing." That is entirely on you as a leader. That is entirely on you. No wonder they would be angry in that moment. Okay, I'm feeling a bit of heat there, a bit of energy there now. So that's <laughs> that comes to our final principle, oh, you're which is so actually perceptive, Scott. This uh, again, this shouldn't be a surprise because you should be exercising, I guess, good onboarding where you've, you're giving people training and good expectations about the role. So again. Um, you know, if this is this is sort of part of your hygiene, part of your ongoing sort of leadership development practices across all of church. The second thing is um, that you should be providing regular ongoing coaching and feedback. So if you've got the expectations right, if you're training someone and onboarding someone real into the role, if you're providing that ongoing you know framework of well, it shouldn't be a surprise. It should be part of just that ongoing conversation that you're having as a team that you're having as um, you know as a leadership group as well about someone. Uh, so I want to keep encouraging you to keep practicing regular feedback, keep onboarding people well, uh, and again keep having that um, that coaching, uh, you know, that coaching kind of framework when you're leading people in your ministry areas as well. And that's not to say there, because the stuff you've you've mentioned there is is absolutely key. You know, training job descriptions, even if they're one page, just one page job description, that's fine. Just I'll get ongoing regular feedback. Um, even as it might get more sharp towards that point in which you're asking people to step out, you still may get a really negative reaction. You, you you can't control how people react. You still may get a fair bit of heat in that conversation. Um, uh, and that's understandable because these are confronting conversations. Um, now, you can't shy away from that. Uh, you just got to make sure you, you, you're doing it love and you've you know, implemented the principles you said. But surprise should not be one of them because of the things that you've done before. Okay. Um now, how is stepping down a volunteer different from stepping down a staff member? Well, you, you tell me because there was so we've got a couple of episodes on this. You spoke to Raj Gupta in episodes one ninety nine and two hundred. Our big two hundred, Dizzy Gillespie two hundred, um, before he got kicked out of the test team. What a travesty that was. Anyway, and then Vicky Napier in two hundred one. Um, what you tell me? What did? What well, did I, I guess I'd encourage I'd encourage people to listen listen back to listen back to those. Um, but a staff a staffing conversation is different. Um, you're coming under various legal requirements with Fair Work Australia. Uh, you know, so there's there's just a, a different legal environment, um, and there's there's obviously a different expect or often a different expectation with a staff leader and a volunteer leader uh, as well. So I'd encourage you to jump in and listen to that and realise that uh, there are some aspects that are you know that are different uh, from stepping down a, a staff member that you need to uh, to take into account. Now, um, I'm conscious of time because we it's one gospel centre ministry tip in sort of 15 <laughs> minutes. And um, um, perhaps we can, in a, a different episode, discuss what do you do when you're stepping down someone for character because I think that needs to be given a bit more, yeah. um, you know, 
weight than the competency discussion. Just just personally reflecting on what about if you're a conflict avoider? What about if you're a conflict rhino? What if you know that about yourself? Um, what sort of tips can you give to someone who is avoidant of conflict and having hard conversations? Yeah, uh, well, I think you've just got to do it. You've got to lean into it. Um, and again, part of it is a you're looking for um, slight slight corrections, slight release valves, rather than it building up. Because you're going to have to have it at some stage. If things aren't going well, there is going to be a conflict conversation at some stage. If you're an avoider and you think by never having it, you will avoid conflict, uh, it's delusional. You will have it. It'll just blow up in a whole number of ways. You know, you put the 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 lid on the pot and you turn up the heat, and eventually the lid will blow. Um, so, if you're a conflict avoider, then I would say uh, the way in which you do this is by trying to the smaller release valves. Do those hygiene things. Do those little things along the way, and you have to lean into it. At some point, you're going to do the most uncomfortable thing for you and have that hard conversation at the end. But you can avoid that or make that softer by doing the smaller things along the way. Now, what if what if you just love conflict and you keep pushing into conflict? What if that's your person? Do they need to go back to love, love, love from the first part of this episode? What, is, what do you mean by that, a, a conflict rhino conflict? Describe that person for me. Well, the, the person who, who, I guess, naturally, you know, <laughs> leans into identifying, um, you know, identifying and, and pushing into hard conversations. You know, it's, it's something they just... Uh, they they don't seem to you know pull back for it or have a you know like a a conscience is the wrong word <laughs> it's the wrong word but you know, you know, you got the yeah. picture of a rhino a rhino yeah. a rhino's got their horns up front they're able to just push straight into it and just say hey look it's just not working yeah. you know let's get it done so they might be too quick to actually pull someone out of a ministry role um, you know they might be too quick to sort of you know see and analyze stuff they actually might not give time to someone. Uh, you know, to actually develop them, train them, and 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 actually give them the opportunity to, to either fail and and come to that realization themselves, or, um, uh, you know, or even just you know have the the, the they, they don't give them this opportunity to develop. Yeah, yeah. I suppose some of this pushes into um, a Myers Briggs conversation that I love having at different points because I I would say the avoider and the rhino actually they're the same things are at the heart of it, um, as you're uh, characterizing it. Because, yeah, some people are very good at conflict and they're happy to lean into it and live in the uncomfortability. Um, and that's actually a really good trait, um, but it's how you express it. Now, some people are avoidant of conflict, which actually makes them uh, more hesitant to wade in. And so that's going to be a good thing because they'll pause and think. But for both of them, the, the flip side of it, there's character issues that sit at both of them. It's how you express those things. If you're an avoider, it's not loving people to avoid conflict. If you're a rhino, it's not loving people to lean into conflict at every single point. Um, and so my question is, no matter what your personality preferences might be, no matter what your wiring might be or your history with conflict might be, the question as leaders, they're trying to ask, how do I love this person in front of them? How do I love the team? And how do I love the church and the people who we're trying to reach? And that will shape how you do it. So if you know that you have a tendency to always lean into conflict and you don't mind it, and you feel, then you've got to start to ask the person, is this the most, yourself the question, is this the most loving thing to do for this person, for this group at this time, or am I just indulging myself? Now, the avoider would say the same thing. Well, that's a good way uh, to finish this episode. Uh, but Derek, what, what's the one thing you want to say about stepping down a volunteer leader? I would want to say this is about discipleship, long-term discipleship as well. Um, not just in this moment, but long-term. It's about discipleship, so be careful, gracious, loving, and clear.
at every point. Excellent. Well, we, we referred to a number of episodes, uh, previous episodes, so episodes 199, 200, uh, we can hear from Raj uh, about what to do with an underperforming staff member particularly. And then also episode 201 on difficult conversations between a church leader and a staff member as well. I think there's some really valuable insights that you can apply uh, to, to the volunteer leader uh, context as well. And then can I encourage you to get along to a Building Leaders Day as well. Uh, Building Leaders Days are all about trying to put in the, the plumbing. So we often talk about the poetry and the plumbing, but putting in the plumbing, so putting in the systems and the structures that actually help develop leaders uh, intentionally across church life. So I reckon that's a great day to bring uh, your leadership uh, and, and, and some key leaders in church life along to that so that you guys have the same language uh, you're talking about. How can you have a healthy leadership pipeline throughout uh, all of church life? Well, that's all we've got for The One Thing today. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. <laughs>